0: This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, brought to you by Hoxo Media, and I am so thrilled and privileged to be interviewing today. A very familiar face for those who are prominent on social media, particularly across LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, this is Dominic McGregor. Dominic has been a prolific voice across social chain. He was the founder and COO. He's also a mental health advocate, and he's newly announced as a policy fellow for the Cabinet Office. And he's currently in stealth mode as well. But the reason I've invited him on here today to you, our audience, as well as being a business investor, he's also very publicly talks about his sobriety journey, which is a subject very close to my own heart, because I think we're both similar with about four years having given up alcohol. And I really wanted to invite Dominic on here today to share his experiences with you, our audience. So over to you, first of all, Dominic, welcome
1: to our audience. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, I've had a, a great day. I've just got off the peloton, so I'm a little bit, uh, if I'm short of breath, it's probably the recovery in my body, but I'm great, so thanks for having me on.
0: If you're panting, that's why you're panting. We believe you, Dominic. We believe you. So yeah. let's, set the, let's set the scene, really. I mean, if people haven't listened to previous um, interviews that you've done, why did you actually go on a sober journey in the first place? What actually occurred in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned there, I'm very open about my sobriety. And and for me, it's um, why I went on it. It it wasn't a choice. I think that's the key thing to get across is that I had no other option. Um, My other option was kind of continue on the path I was on uh, of self-destruction and pain um, or go sober. Um, And when you're 23 years old and you're faced with that option, uh, (laughs) you kind of do have to pick the sobriety choice. Um, And I, I, I got to that point by sleepwalking into a problem so alcohol for me, I always um, was a bit of a Jack the party person and would always be at parties, always be having fun, celebrating. And with social chain, um, we had a lot of reasons to celebrate. We had huge success. Um, we went from being a business of a handful of individuals running it from our bedrooms to very quickly having a team of over 40 or 50 people across the UK, Europe, and uh, the USA. Mm-hmm. And with that, as a young age brings a lot of pressure um, a lot of new feelings, you know, in terms of responsibility for other individuals uh, as going from being a 21, 20 year old at university to being responsible for individuals. It does, definitely does change overnight. And that um, rapid growth kind of filled me with a lot of um, new feelings that I've never experienced before. And these were feelings of self doubt. those are feelings of imposter syndrome. These were feelings of um, anxiety, you know and all accumulated into sleepwalking into a depression. Um, and the depression was, um, fueling the alcohol basically so i was drinking more and more to kind of numb the pain and escape from how i was feeling because on the surface i had everything i had a fantastic business and things were going well but for some reason i wasn't happy in myself and the alcohol became my um, drug of choice which i took to escape from everything that was going on in the world and create a little bit of peace of comfort in my mind and with that obviously compounds the issue because you're not dealing with the problem you're just putting it off yeah. so yeah i get to the age 23 where i've had so many i'm never drinking again moments and so many regrets and so many lives and damage and relationships ruined and broken bones and smashed plates and smashed windows and issues within work that i have no choice now you know my options are either um carry on down this slippery slope where things are going to get worse and i'm going to end up doing more damage because you know how it works is that when you're escaping that you are chasing that feeling of escapism you go further and further into the bottle mm-hmm. and the further you get into it the more damage you can do to yourself and others and the more unstable you are when you've had a drink so it's an absolute um concoction of ni- of nightmares coming together mm-hmm. and I was at a point where yeah I hit rock bottom so I, I, I'm damaging my relationships I'm damaging my friendships I'm damaging my business and I have to change I have no other choice about it so um that's why that's why I'd love to say that I looked at the world and said that alcohol didn't agree with me and they thought, "Oh, you know, what? I'm going to be sober and love it. But that didn't happen. And um, I have to have these conversations with people like yourself to remind me of that. Um, yeah. that what well, This isn't just something that I chose to do out of the sake of, you know, living a better, cleaner life. This was a choice that saved my life.
0: It literally saved your life. And it's interesting that your tipping point, because, you know, alcohol is associated so significantly with celebration,
1: death.
0: Mm-hmm we reward i mean your your industry and the recruitment industry are wedded together in that we celebrate success we go out for lunch clubs you go on trips away you get a bottle of champagne you get the beers in and at the tipping point where that then becomes abusive to your body and you then have no control and you then use it to numb yourself and that's where i think it has become a real hidden pandemic which is why it was so important that we wanted to share your story with our audience as well so you know, just to be a bit controversial, do you feel that because you've got such a, an, you know, I guess a privilege to talk to the audience you have in the way that you have through your voice, do you think that some people might think you are an alcohol evangelist, trying to preach to people maybe? <laughs>
1: um, it, it comes across that way sometimes, but the the, the key thing is for me, um, that if you looked at me in any situation as an 18 year old, I was an old person. You know, I'm, I'm not, I've not, I've come through and, this is something I experienced in the male sobriety world a bit more than the female sobriety world is men never have a break. A lot of females have experiences with um, pregnancy and other reasons to stop drinking, mm-hmm. which gives them a natural break. Yeah. For men, it's a compounding issue where they never actually experience the ability of being sober. So therefore, as they get later into life, it's something they've never tried. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from that instance, I have responsibilities as a, as, a, as a male young um, yeah. individual who went sober at 23 to, to be that voice and to be open and honest as possible that um, the issue might might not be now, mm-hmm. it might not be five years, but that issue does come. Um, and those who say it doesn't come are probably lying yeah. because it's a drug and you consume it. And the more you consume, it, the more damaging it is. So even if that problem comes at 50 when you've got liver damage, even if it comes at 60 when you've got obesity, mm-hmm. it does come um and for me it came early and for me I'm thankful it came early because I have the energy and the purpose to get over it
0: okay yeah no I, I absolutely agree there's a few points that we will come back on actually but I want to focus on the, the last thing that you said sort of the benefits the advantages that you've experienced of you know being so but both personally but actually professionally as well what do you think the advantages are
1: I mean it's a great networking tool <laughs> Tell people and they're like, oh, that's interesting. And, mm-hmm. and as soon as you tell someone, they start saying, no, I don't really drink that much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> everyone starts to go to their questions around drinking. So that's probably one of the big, the big things is that um, you have the alcohol. Uh, being sober gives you everything alcohol. You think alcohol gives you in terms of the confidence, in terms of the energy, in terms of the friendliness and the relationships everything you think you, you're searching for in in drinking, actually you find in sobriety. Yeah. Um, and people find that very hard to, to ascertain is that um, a lot of individuals, including myself in that situation, needed a drink to survive social settings. But that's because you're masking something deeper. That's Having it. the sobriety and, cli- and clarity in mind allows you to actually come over those problems and a- approach any situation with confidence.
0: Mm, I agree with you. I often say, because I, I mean, I'm quite an, an effervescent person and always have been, and my connection to alcohol, you know, similar journey to yours, but yours was, I think, intensified over a very short period of time. Mine, mine stretched over a 20, 30 year period and then compounded in about a two-year sort of final, final sort of fling. Is that I I say that alcohol almost dimmed my light, but I thought it ele- like illuminated me and it didn't, it did the exact opposite. It dumbed me yeah. down. And and I think from that point of view, it's finding out who you are. And I think you're right. I mean, ultimately you know you you are masking something by losing those inhibitions but what are those inhibitions and it, it's digging deep so i think that's it's really interesting that you do say that because ultimately you know you can't necessarily remember what you've said when you've had a few to drink and then you're creating Definitely. more problems from it so i think that you know it's being mindful of who you are
1: yeah exactly and i think the sobriety peak allow you to understand that better mm. um and quicker and yeah you know mine I'm thankful in on one hand, you know, I went through a lot of pain um, in a very short period of time. And uh, I'm thankful for it. You know, it's, it's one of those things you look back and think that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Absolutely. I say it was the hardest thing I ever did, but it was the best thing I ever did because yeah. it gave me Leisha back. It gave me me back. And I've lost yeah. for so long. And I didn't, I didn't even know it. I want to just pick up on something you said a little bit earlier on about, you know, alcohol is a drug. Now, you recently um, shared your thoughts that alcohol consumption was related to the dangers associated with cigarettes and that there should be some kind of health warning with it and you actually received I wouldn't say it was a backlash but people thought it was quite contrary why do you think people were so reticent to admit that alcohol is dangerous to us as and as dangerous
1: as cigarettes probably were because because no one likes to admit they've got a problem Mm. that's the key you know if if I say like I said to you before if I say I don't drink the first thing people say to me is well I don't really drink that much or I do. I did sober October, or I'm going to do sober October, or um, I don't drink on weekends. So challenging people in their drink, people are so, so, so conscious of it. Yeah. Um, so if I say I think it's like cigarettes, and people think cigarettes are bad, I think drinking is bad. People are like, no, no, that's not true. You know, think drinking is this, 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 this. But the, the truth is, when you when you break it down, the damage it causes to an individual, we will look at cigarettes. Uh, uh, okay. We look at alcohol the same way we look at cigarettes soon.
0: Yeah, I actually found happened. a stat from the Office for National Statistics—statistics statistics, can't even say it—that there were more deaths in 2020 from alcohol than over the last 20 years. Yeah, so it it's—I mean, that's a pandemic right there. Yeah,
1: yeah. it will be, and people—you know—people uh, will always try and cover up the realities because you, you're a, you're actually attacking an institute, you're actually attacking a way of living. You know, people live for the pub. You know, the pub culture is in the UK is—if is, I said—if I said if i said before is Concerning you know the, the dependency people have on this, um, if if you chop the words out pub for cigarette or smoke and that kind of stuff, you know you would be like this is a problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, people think it's the only way to socialise. The people the responses I get to individuals is like, well, how am I going to meet my mates? I mean, if if your friendships revolve around just getting drunk, I don't think actually they're your friends. So uh, people, the, you know, the culture and the society we live in, especially in the UK is very um orientated around alcohol and um people don't like challenging being challenged on that
0: yeah no i I agree with you totally look I, i i can only sort of corroborate what you said because i know myself that when i chose to i moderated for 10 months first and i only drank on those occasions through pure peer pressure and then i chose to go sober in june 2017 and my circle of friends changed over a period of time because i realized that some of them it was just about getting drunk that's basically what we did together and I agree and when you've shared your views on that I just think you know maybe there will be a shift I I can't see it but I think it's a a societal change and I wonder whether it's because people view sober people as maybe boring or some kind of pariah that we don't belong I mean what are your what are your thoughts on that?
1: Again going back to kind of the culture you know being a 23 year old and going sober it's like what can you do? People sit there and think well how am I going to spend time with you? How are we going to hang out? It's like no life doesn't revolve around drinking and I think that um that is learned as you get older and stuff so um and i also think i actually think the biggest factor and this is going to be controversial and people are going to hate me for it but i think people um who drink are jealous of people who don't drink
0: mm.
1: that's 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 what i think it comes down to i mm. think they look at you and think oh shit you don't need alcohol i do yeah oh. well i think that
0: I, is the I think there's a lot to that. And I think it's because what they're f- afraid of potentially is that we will remember things that they won't necessarily remember in terms of behavior.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. but, but also just being able to survive social settings. Mm. I know, sorry, I don't need to drink. I'm okay. If I, if I said I don't drink instead of I don't need to drink, yeah. people will straight away feel really threatened. But, you know, I, I do use a terminology in terms of I oh, know I don't drink. But if I said, if you changed it and said, sorry, I don't need to drink in situations, people would be like, yeah. what do you mean you don't need to drink? I was like, well, why are you drinking
0: dominic i experienced it on a you know my, my boyfriend actually he he's we, we only met two years ago um on bumble actually and he's um five years sober and what you said before i want to pick up on this actually this sort of male sobriety he if he when we go out for a meal we'll just order a bottle of sparkling water because that's what we want we, do, I, we don't do alcohol free drinks we just prefer not to drink them yeah. Um, and no one ever really questions my choice, but they'll say, Well, you don't, are you sure? Do you want to see the wandness? And he will go, No, it's okay. Thank you. You know, I don't drink. And even like people serving are just like, What? Yeah. It's it's and I just think the whole mindset is around yeah. it, we're the unusual ones.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the thing, is like normally you can accept one person's can to be driving, but both people aren't drinking. It's like
0: Yeah. yeah. We, we, we are we're both social surprised but we're really not and actually we're the most content people of anyone I know so it's it's quite interesting so I want to make this very um practical for people when they're listening so and I know it's going to be very different and this is going to be therefore quite generic and hypothetical but what would you say the key three things or maybe more but three if, if possible what would they do to change their habits if somebody's listening to this thinking I really do want to either moderate or totally have an alcohol-free yeah. life We interrupt this episode of the Recruiter's Recruitment podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies. And we want to share this message with you. Their academy programme allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimise their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies, and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business, or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really, you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there, and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas, and ultimately, the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So, I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this programme. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: I think the the main things are one, admitting. Okay. That's the key. You know, not to yourself, but secondly to other people, being accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, my my sobriety came through by me telling everyone I have to do it. It was it it was close to that there was no i'll go on there and i'll have one drink it was guys i'm doing this i am going sober i need to do this you are helping me because i hang out with you you are my mates all right if you don't get this you are my friends yeah so um that that for me was again you know i'm probably ignorant in the fact that that was very easy for me to say because i am as a person i don't hide problems i don't lie I say, if I need something to do, I need to go sober. My friends tell me I need to go sober. I am doing it. It was a team decision. It wasn't just me. It was my team. You know, It was Steve. It was my, my girlfriend. It was my friends and parents. We all decided that I needed to do it. And that made it easy. Not this whole, like, oh, I'm not, not going to try drinking tonight. Because that's not a very strong purpose. That's not very easy. So that, for me, is the single biggest thing, is having that accountability. Uh, and, and free. I guess, you know, if you give me, if I was to do free. um, I mean, the, the easiest thing is just substitute, you know, spend your time elsewhere, do different things, focus on yourself. Again, I come from a point of ignorance because that's how I am as a person, is mm-hmm. that I don't need to go out and be in those social sessions. I, I've got other things I had. I had a company which I was growing that I could send my, spend my time in. And again, I do don't appreciate what it's like if you don't have that purpose or dedication. Um, so I, I do appreciate the fact that I come from real um, privilege to be able to say those things. Well
0: I think it's just having other interests isn't it and it's throwing yourself into it I think actually just the point that second point you've made that's about having really good people having a community having a tribe so would you recommend people go and join you know there are lots of sober groups out there do you think I mean I know you didn't I didn't particularly but actually it's choosing the people around you to support you because you don't want anyone that's I mean I have plenty of people I are mean, you sure you don't want just one you, you know you could just have one and eventually those people just you drop them out your life don't you?
1: Yeah, and I get, I get that, but you also have some of these people like your friends as well, who you do yeah. like. Yeah. And you've just got to be very clear with them, you've just got to say this is it, this is me. um, And that that has got to be non-negotiable as an individual, is that I need to do this, this is why I need to do it. Yeah. And um, it's not about changing friends, it's not about changing networks, it's about having those people who are around you accept you for who you are. You know, start with your parents, start with your brothers, start with your sisters start there and then build it out, you know, go to the, your friends afterwards. But you've got, to, you've got to have those people around you who are on the mission with you and make you feel like, no, he, you know, he doesn't drink. I'm pretty sure now if I went to go grab a drink
0: mm. for any
1: reason or yeah. a shot, I'd have four or five people running over to slap out of my hand because yeah. they know that, that why it's important to me. And that's yeah. always been the case. I think that clarity and having those people with you is what makes it easier because otherwise you're, you're with those people and those are the people who will tempt you. That's simple as that, isn't it? Really, people you hang out with are the ones that are going to tempt you.
0: Definitely. Do you think that if you hadn't gone sober, you'd achieve, achieve what you have in the last few I think years? I'd be dead. Wow. Well, I mean, if that's I
1: do to... I think I wouldn't be here. I think yeah. it's as simple as that. I think there was a there was a, there was an option. There was, a, there was a slippery slope I was on, and I think it was either that or. And again, that's that's understanding that the the severity of the situation is that that's where I was going to go. So that was my yeah. option: either that's sort cool. myself out or lose everything.
0: Yeah, well, it's a very, it's a very, very sober thought. Well, you've been an absolutely delightful guest, and I do appreciate you making time because I know you must be so busy. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. And we will uh, look forward to seeing what else you can do for us when you become part of the Cabinet Office as a policy fellow. Maybe getting them to change alcohol laws or something. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I'm um,
1: and,
0: and thanks for all that you do with mental health advocacy as well. You know, you are a, a huge champion in that as well. So thank you for that. And no all that I do try. You do. Thank you so much, Dominic.
1: Very. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome.